There is a crime here that goes beyond denunciation. There is a sorrow here that weeping cannot symbolize. There is a failure here that topples all our success. The fertile earth, the straight tree rows, the sturdy trunks, and the ripe fruit. And children dying of pellagra must die because a profit cannot be taken from an orange. And coroners must fill in the certificates died of malnutrition because the food must rot, must be forced to rot. The people come with nets to fish for potatoes in the river, and the guards hold them back. They come in rattling cars to get the dumped oranges, but the kerosene is sprayed. And they stand still and watch the potatoes float by, listen to the screaming pigs being killed in a ditch and covered with quicklime, watch the mountains of oranges slop down into a putrefying ooze. And in the eyes of the people, there is failure. Four days ago, the massive winter storm that engulfed the United States knocked out the power in a Portland, Oregon chain grocery store called Fred Meyer. With nothing to power their store's refrigeration, they decided that every temperature-sensitive item in the store was to be thrown out. They took delivery of a dumpster, which they quickly filled with heaps of packaged meat, bottles of juice, packaged cheese, and vacuum-sealed turkeys. The abandonment of the American people by our government has meant that over the past year, millions have been forced into poverty and that millions are experiencing hunger, many for the first time. And so it should come as no surprise that eventually about 18 people gathered around the dumpster, starving and knowing that just inside it was a mountain of safe, clean food that was going to end up in the trash. The management of the Fred Meyer supermarket chose to call the police, and soon a dozen heavily armed policemen, some refusing to wear masks, surrounded the dumpster and threatened starving people with physical altercation or arrest if they attempted to approach the food. In the face of broad starvation and suffering, the food was to be destroyed, not because it was dangerous to consume, but because if it could not exist to generate a profit, it would not exist at all. I know I said I was going to talk about the Greek Civil War today, but this ultimately seemed like a more pressing topic. Today, I want to talk a little bit about the destruction of food in times of famine, specifically in regard to the United States. And I want to look at the ideology that drives such decisions. Thanks for tuning in this week. You're listening to Hidden History. My name is Ellis Tucci, and this is episode 103, Grapes of Wrath. Hidden History is always available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and www.hiddenhistory.show. As usual, all of my sources are in the description, and if you like this episode, then consider subscribing or sharing with a friend. With that, let's get into it. So, you may have recognized that quote that I opened with. It's from John Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath, which means, of course, that the place where we've got to start this episode is 1929, at the onset of the Great Depression. Now, I don't think that I really need to explain the role that the Great Depression played in increasing poverty and hunger, but I should explain what exactly happened to the world of agriculture at that time. 
In the years leading up to the Great Depression, farming had undergone the process of mechanization. By 1930, advanced new farming machines like combines and tractors had massively increased the productive yield of American farmland. But it came with a catch. These new machines were increasingly expensive, and so naturally, as the 20th century began to mature, the creation of a productive and competitive farm necessitated having a line of credit at the bank. After the stock market crashed and the banks began to fail, they began calling in loans to stay afloat, which farmers, who had over-leveraged themselves in order to start their farm, could not afford to pay. This caused a foreclosure crisis among American farmers as banks scrambled to cover their losses. For the scope of this episode, farmers were generally impacted by the Great Depression in two ways. The first by being the common targets of foreclosure, and the second being that the collapse of the economy had also brought about a collapse in crop prices, decimating the projected value of each harvest. In 1934, the Dust Bowl begins, which on its own creates an incredible amount of poverty and suffering, forcing tens of thousands of families to flee from the Midwest to the fields of California, which is, of course, the historical setting of Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath, which means that we can loop back around to that excerpt from the beginning. Mountains of oranges slop down into a putrefying ooze. Now, the real historical event that Steinbeck is referring to here is what we're going to talk about next, a 1933 piece of New Deal legislation called the Agricultural Adjustment Act, also known as AAA. Franklin Roosevelt assumed office on March 4, 1933, and of course was met with a country that was in the midst of the worst economic crisis in its history. Immediately, he called Congress into a special session lasting 100 days, which is appropriately called the 100-Day Congress, with the goal of immediately providing aid to the American people. One of the things that emerged out of the 100-Day Congress was the first New Deal. The second New Deal would be introduced in 1935, and there's debate about the existence of a mythical third New Deal in 1937. But anyway, that's not super important right now. One of the new government bodies created by the New Deal, collectively referred to as the Alphabet Agencies, was the Agricultural Adjustment Administration, which oversaw the execution of the Agricultural Adjustment Act. The AAA was meant to accomplish many things, some of which were good, like refinancing mortgages with favorable terms for farmers. But, of course, if you listen to this show, you know I want to talk about the stuff that wasn't so good. And so in this case, I want to talk about how the Agricultural Adjustment Act tried to stabilize crop prices. Quite simply, it did it by paying farmers to destroy them. The idea was to save farmers by artificially raising the price of food through artificially decreasing its availability. In reality, this meant that farmers burnt down productive fields, slaughtered and buried their livestock, dumped crops into rivers, and, well, generally destroyed everything they had. If you decide that this is something that really interests you and you go and do some independent research, you might find that in legislation and publications from the period, this is referred to as the elimination of a surplus, that there is simply too much food and the only solution is to get rid of it. But the problem is that phraseology wasn't an accurate reflection of reality. Unemployment was at 25%. 
it's estimated that by 1935, 69% of American families were in poverty. As the Depression dragged on and deaths from starvation became more and more common in cities across the country, dairy farmers in New England poured their milk in ditches at the side of the road, and farmers buried their harvests of corn. America was described as a nation of breadlines knee-deep in wheat, a description that unfortunately applies to the United States now just as much as it did 90 years ago. At the beginning of the pandemic, the collapse in crop prices meant that once again American farmers were pouring out their milk, throwing out vast mountains of potatoes, smashing eggs and slaughtering livestock. Meanwhile, 50 million people, about a sixth of the country, including 17 million children, are food insecure. This decision to destroy food in the midst of hunger is a direct product of the capitalist mode of production. It does not matter if people are starving. If a crop can't turn a large enough profit, it will be destroyed rather than be given to those in need. That, to me, is an incredible injustice, an incredible act of cruelty. Capitalism's mandate to put profit over all else directly creates scenarios like these, all based around the incredibly selfish idea that if I can't turn a profit off something, at least I can deny it to you. If I can't benefit, then no one can. Even if they're desperate, starving, or unable to support their family. This supposedly excessive surplus in the market must be resolved not by freely providing food to those in need, but instead through destruction. I personally can think of few things more repugnant. Well, thank you for listening this week. I know this is a little bit of a shorter episode. I'm still getting back into the swing of things. But if you enjoyed this episode, then I love it if you subscribed or shared it with a friend. And hopefully I'll uh, see you next week. Thanks again for listening. This is Ellis Tucci at Hidden History. Signing off.